The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Fifty-one plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Swung, fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, 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 Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. High five, ball. Back to right center, and the Braves have landed. Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Swing and drive. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody, welcome to another off-season episode of the Platinum Sombrero. Gotta be doing this quick because we might have some audio technical difficulties here, so Doc and I are going to talk at the speed of sound or essentially just however... I speak when I do Locked on Braves podcasts, but we're brought to you today by our sponsors that you guys have heard a whole bunch about. Bet Online is the main one. Bet Online is the number one place to go for any and all online betting entertainment, whether that be on, I don't know, they probably got some sort of lines on what free agent ends up where, but if you want to bet NFL, college football, hey, if you wanted to drop a bet that uh, the Big Ten would have changed the rules around for Ohio State. I'm sure they had a line on that on Bet Online. They have everything from your degenerate gambler lines that even I don't understand to the simple basic who's going to win. You can find it all on Bet Online, whether you're a novice or you're a seasoned pro. Bet Online is the place to be, covering all sports, all your favorite prop bets, pretty much anything. All I'm trying to tell you is if you like to gamble, you're going to like Bet Online. And if you use our promo code ARMCHAIR, you're going to like it even more. I'm not going to tell you what you win, but you got to go there and you got to use the code and you can see for yourself. Go to bet online today and have a great time. So, Doc, I think you and I were both kind of hoping, even though not expecting, that we'd have like some huge breaking news to break for today. Uh, unfortunately, we don't. The Braves kind of did what they did last year and the year before where you got your big news out of the way really early. Um Maybe some kind of smaller news. Baseball as a whole hasn't really done much position player-wise because Major League Baseball can't really get out of their own way as far as uh, trying to help speed things along. They seem bound and determined to hamstring half the teams in the league. But we do have a little bit to talk about before we get into anything like that. I do want to say this is kind of a weird winter meetings for me. Like It's not that I've ever been to the winter meetings in person, but the winter meetings are kind of like that key point of the offseason that every every prospect guy, every like deep baseball fan really looks forward to the winter meetings because that's when you're supposed to see like if there's going to be a big trade that happens in the offseason it happens at the winter meetings and it when it's all virtual kind of takes away from it being the quote-unquote winter meetings it's kind of just a big giant zoom call at that point yeah i mean we spend so much of the offseason just waiting for 
waiting for the offseason to really get going. You you obviously have some early activity, and here in Atlanta, we're familiar with Anthopolis being aggressive early, but from a league standpoint, for every year that you hear Francisco Lindor trade rumors, or is this the year that the, the Reds are going to get rid of Sonny Gray, or the Rays finally going to trade Blake Snell, whatever the case may be, this is when those types of things would start to happen, because it's not just owners and GMs that are playing phone tag with each other. They can actually sit down and hammer out a deal and without uh, being encumbered in any other way. So, and and you're right. This year, as soon as they they made the announcement that that everything was going to be held virtually, I think we all knew that it was going to kind of just be like a huge letdown, and you could hear the sad trombone sound. But there have been a couple moves so far. I mean, one of the the most coveted uh, starting pitcher names on the trade market uh, did get moved. So so that's certainly interesting. And. Once you start seeing the options fly off the board, you get a more defined price for what some of these free agent and and trade acquisition uh, guys is going to be. You know, things will start to pick up steam and it'll turn from a snowball into an avalanche pretty quickly. But it is weird to think that, you know, five years ago we were sitting here saying, ooh, what's going to happen with this John Coppolella, Dave Stewart lunch? I I wonder what's going to happen there. And now not just having having any insight on what's going to happen. Like, this is always the time where J.J. Cooper... And Jonathan Mayo were telling us the entire Rule 5 draft as it's going to roll out. And they're just like, um, nope, I got nothing. I haven't heard anything because I'm not around anybody. Right. Hey, John, by the way, John Coppolello, if you're listening, feel free to come on the show. Uh, we'll talk some prospects with you. Um, but it is kind of weird, especially when you consider when you listen to everybody who's kind of out there. Um, you still have Trevor Bauer available. He's kind of obviously the big fish on the free agent market. George Springer is still available. Uh, and if you, if you believe Buster Olney, it looks like... The Mets and new owner Steve Kona may already come up on a little bit of an impasse, as it seems like Sandy Alderson, the GM there, is leaning more towards Trevor Bauer, and Cohen is actually leaning more towards uh, George Springer. Now, uh, me, I'd be like, okay, cool, just don't get both. Uh, that's like my one hope is, hey, please don't get both. Um, as weird as this sounds, I'm not usually in favor of owners like overriding GMs. I actually think I kind of lean more towards Steve Cohen on this. Like, It's not like the Mets need another ace on the staff as much as they need like a George Springer. So there's still some fun uh, there's there's still some fun storylines to go on. There's still some things that you really want to watch closely, but I don't know that I expect anything big to happen at this winter meetings. Like we you just mentioned Francisco Lindor and wh- wherever he inevitably gets moved to, I think it's going to be a big disappointment for for Cleveland fans and for a lot of guys around the league. There's going to be a lot of guys going, "Well, we could have given up that to get Lindor." But I think the Indians, because they waited so long to do it, I, I don't really see any big trades or any big names available through trade that are really going to drive this crazy. I mean, Chris Bryant might be one of the bigger trade acquisition names, and he had an awful 2020. Um, maybe there's some guys that I'm not thinking about. Maybe maybe the Reds really do decide to just burn it all down and trade Sonny Gray and Eugenio Suarez, who, yes, please. Um I, I really can't tell you what's going to happen. I, I don't personally think we're going to see any big giant names move. That's just kind of my gut instinct. It's it's just a, another weird cap on the end of 2020 before we break into 2021. Yeah, when you're talking about guys like Chris Bryant, who had v- long track records of, of putting together really good seasons. I mean, I think that he had a season where he was 7-8 war. He might have had a couple... Uh, seasons above seven, but I mean, last year he was terrible. And, and all of the recent non-tenders that happened, it's guys that had pretty decent track records. They just, it's inconclusive what 2020 meant to people like us who don't necessarily have access to the same data and they're not seeing the same things. 
you know, I'm sure that somebody can tell you every single thing that went wrong with Kyle Schwarber, but me personally, even for as close of attention as I pay to the Cubs, I wasn't watching a lot of Cubs games this year, one, because there really weren't that many, you know what I mean? And, and uh, I don't know, it, it's just, it's so hard to really get into what's going to happen because we hardly even knew what happened this past year, and we know even less about what's going to come in, in the next year. So for any team that is willing to take on significant money, there's probably going to be an, a real opportunity there. So we're going to start to see names that, that we're not even considering would be available uh, to start to come available. Because even with the track record of some of these non-tender guys, and you can plug them in as long as they have a good companion. You look at somebody like Eddie Rosario, okay? Eddie Rosario is a fine player. Kyle Schwarber is a fine player, but they can't do it all themselves, which is kind of why they find themselves in this situation. We we in Braves country are probably looking for somebody who's not subject to a platoon. Like, let's talk about Adam Duvall. It's been a week since he got cut loose by the Braves, and I think everybody's had an opportunity to really come to terms with that. And there was palpable outrage at the very beginning, and the farther it gets away from it, you're starting to see people a little more come to terms with, well, maybe it's not a great idea to give $5 million to the weak side of a platoon, or $7 million, whatever the, whatever the case may be. So even though we have a soft spot for Duvall, Twins fans are probably saying similar things about Rosario. Cubs fans are saying similar things about Schwarber, just to use examples. And these guys are, they're not, platoon immune. So I think that, I don't know, there's this weird gray area for a lot of these guys, and they're just going to kind of sit on this market. And for teams that don't want to just give a whole bunch of money to somebody who's inconsistent and is only going to play in 60, 60 games in a in a 162 game season, you know, do the math and figure out exactly what that, what that means if they trim it down to 145 games or 120 games or whatever the case may be. I think that teams are really having to be smart about the way that they spend their money this year. So it's possible the Braves could bring back somebody like Duvall or any of the other guys that were just a little too rich for what they were supposed to be making for next year. But like I said, we don't know what's going to happen in 2021. So very strange times. Hard to prognosticate now. We'll get into those uh, those non-tender guys. because there's, there's a few guys that are actually pretty interesting on the market, but it does kind of seem like Manfred trying to hold the DH over baseball's head and kind of say, oh, well, plan as if it's not going to be there, wink, wink, unless you want to go ahead and give me expanded playoffs, wink, wink. Uh, it, it does kind of hurt a lot of these guys, a lot of these offensive guys on the non-tender list, guys like Duvall, guys like Schwarber, guys like Eddie Rosario. If the DH were still in play, or if, if the whole league was going to have the DH again and we all knew that, there's a chance that those guys are signed on the cheap somewhere else because Schwarber would be, you know, while he he's horrendously bad against lefties, like hits like 188 against him and his underlying numbers are not much better, he can still mash righties. He hits for a lot of power against righties and he would make for a good platoon guy if you know that you can platoon him at a DH. And I'm not saying that he'd get like $9 million. But if you're telling me you could sign him for two mil and tell him, hey, go rebuild your value now, like if the DH were still up in the National League, I think that there are, there's probably somebody who would have already bit the bullet on a guy like Schwarber, most certainly on Eddie Rosario, who can, again, could play DH. You don't really want him in the field. Adam Duvall can still play the field pretty well. Um, he definitely did look, at least to the eye test, I have to go into his stat cast data, but it definitely looked like he was kind of fading a bit defensively like he didn't quite have the same range that we saw in previous years it kind of looked you know he'd, he'd still make some some really good diving plays but it almost looked like he was kind of slowing down a little bit and he's getting older so that's to be expected but without that extra spot 
with teams having a plan for having to, to half the league having a plan for having a black hole pitcher spot in the lineup again, you can't really be afforded the luxury of doing the same type of stylings as far as your roster construction. People that are going to be on your bench are going to have to be versatile enough to be able to kind of do multiple things. It's going to take away, basically you need kind of a jack of all trades types on your bench instead of, you know, guys that provide one real quality. Like it it's, does you no good to bring in a guy that can hit 40 homers but doesn't make a lot of contact because if that's going to be your pinch hitter, that's an awful pinch hitter. I mean, there, there's just this is why I can't really f- explain the depths of my hatred for a guy like Rob Manfred. It just seems like baseball kind of does itself does it to itself all the time. And if you talk around the league, a lot of people are still expecting the DH to be around for 2021. Um, but you're going to end up with the same boat that you were in last year, where you're going to get to be three weeks out from the season, and all of a sudden it's, oh, hey, by the way, we're going to have the DH this year. It, it just, I, I think it really is going to affect a lot of these guys, especially the non-tender guys. I think it's going to play a big role in where they go and what they get paid. No doubt, this is the number one question that we're all kind of waiting on right now, just because it's not tied to any one player. I mean, Ozuna is the the big name that's associated with that, but there there's all types of players that are subject to this. And I am kind of skeptical about the fact that MLB just floated, oh yeah, there's not going to be a DH. We haven't even had the conversation yet, but yeah, I would just go ahead and assume there's not going to be one for next year. Well, I mean, maybe there will, maybe there won't, but... We spent a lot of time during this season, <coughs> pardon me, we spent a lot of time this offseason waiting for owners and waiting for players to come to some type of agreement, and the main thing we took away is that they both love negotiating in public. This is just, this is the first move in a, what's going to be a very long chess game. Everybody knows that the DH should show up. There have been so many people that were staunch anti-DH, and as soon as they saw it in practice, they said, oh, this is great. You remember back when Mike Fultonavich used to hit? Yeah, it was terrible. There's no reason. There's no reason for that. So even the people that were the most staunch opponents of this have come around to the DH. So, I mean, there's obviously the argument about there's at least 15 jobs that are not being that are not going to be employed next year if they do not have this. But at the same time, some of these guys have gotten on tendered. They also cut roster size from 28 to 26. So it puts roster spots at that much more of a premium. That was one of the, uh, one of the things about this past year that they came to agreement on is that we are going to do expanded rosters for the entire season. We're not going to wait until September to build things out. And they didn't do it to 40 like they used to, but they did just set it at 28 and have that ride out for the entire season. They are finally meeting this week to discuss what's going to happen this season. It's not just some unilateral statement coming from the league that there's not going to be a DH. And everybody saw what happened this past year when owners were not making money. How how much money did John Middleton of the Phillies say that he lost? Like $2 billion or something <laughs> absurd like that? Which was, by the way, not accurate. That's not accurate at all. I mean, owners combined to lose... Six billion or something like that, and I don't think that John Middleton lost one third of that by himself. But he did lose a lot of money, and you're looking at a lot of owners that did lose a decent amount of money. And based on the timing of this next CBA negotiation, owners really had their eyes open to how much money they are capable of losing when there are no fans, and they were still able to make some money while there were games being played without fans being in the stands. 
but not nearly as much. And so you lop 102 games off the schedule like they did in 2020. Owners took a bath. Of course they did. They're rich and they can afford to do so, but they did take a bath. And they know that in 2021, if they are if they are so stubborn that they cannot work with the players union to allow something good to happen, then they they can feel the money falling out of their pockets in 2021. And they know in 2022, because we're watching now, if that's the thing about negotiating in public is that everybody can see it and everybody starts to get disgusted by all of these different just negotiations and everybody just yelling at social media. You know, that that's our job. That's what us low level peons are supposed to do. The people that are millionaires, billionaires, owning baseball teams that is and running unions. That is not what they're supposed to do. So they take a bath in 2020. They could possibly take a bath in 2021. And now you're looking at 2022 when you've got all types of pissed off fans who are rebelling. Look at the strike after 1994, you know, when, People were reluctant. I know a lot of people that never recovered from that. So if you want to hit owners where it hurts, you hit them in the pocket and you have to negotiate with them. You have to present to them, listen, if you are not willing to work with us on this, you are going to lose maybe $2 billion, John Middleton, over the course of several <laughs> years, not not one off season. But you know what I mean? I think that this, as far as the timing, this was, you never want to say the pandemic was well-timed, but if you want to open the eyes to owners and keep baseball around, I think the way things presented themselves really give them a lot to think about. I do. And, and we're going to talk about the non-tenders here in just a second, but I, I, I do kind of go back and forth on this. And I talked about it in the locked on show uh, yesterday. I just like, you would think that major league baseball and the ownership seeing what happens when, you know, you don't get to play all that many games and, and all the money that you're losing out on, you'd think that that would mean, all right, let's make sure that we keep everybody happy and we start playing the games again and we we get this thing ironed out before there's a strike. That's what I would expect a normal, well-run league to do. Unfortunately, I just don't think that Rob Manfred, I don't know, I'm going to be very blunt. I don't think that he's, I don't think he's intelligent enough and I'm not, I, well, I'm, I guess I'm trying to, I guess I am being mean, but I'm also being honest. I don't think he's intelligent <laughs> enough to mediate this dispute between the two. Like I, I don't I genuinely don't think he possesses the capabilities mentally to actually handle this in the correct way. I don't think he is mentally capable of doing anything other than doing what he's told or to attack what he's told to do by the owners in the most blunt, open, non-subtle way possible. Like he doesn't have room in his vocabulary for the word subtlety or the word compromise. So like he just doesn't know how to do it. Uh, and he's he's just inept. I, I guess inept is really the best word for him. So I do worry that you're going to head for another strike after this season. And if there is a strike, what, I mean, we talk bad about the cheaters and the steroid users and all that stuff. Well, some people do. You and I don't. But lost in that shuffle is the reason why Bud Selig never cared about steroids is because it took 1998 to bring baseball back from the dead. Like, Baseball was done. Nobody was watching after the strike. And if you talk to old folks and grandpas, there are still people that don't watch baseball because of the strike. If you have another one, all the work that baseball is trying and, and still kind of failing to do to bring in the younger fan base, you're going to piss it all away. And you can't really afford to do that. You know, like the all of the young stars of the game, you we love Acuna and Albies. You already don't market them well. Right. I mean, and 
even for, even for diehards like us, you know, we we spend our free time talking about the Braves and podcasting and writing and doing all of these different things. Like, and when you start to getting into that tier of fan, because we are obsessives. Not everybody goes down this same road, and and that's fine. I wish I wasn't this obsessive a lot of the time. But if there was a strike, even for somebody that spends an inordinate amount of time thinking about obsessing about baseball, that would be just such a gut punch. I mean, Listen. this season when when the season finally started, I was on board, but it was that was hard. That was a really hard couple of months, just sitting there going. Totally I understand that there's reasons why we can't play right now, but couldn't there be some type of initiative to make it happen? Listen, there's a lot riding on this. If there's a strike, that's a full season without TPS. I don't think any of you want that. No, I don't think anybody wants that. I, I, I mean, it would be bad for the world. But we got to get to these non-tenders. And there, there's still some stuff there. And there's still, there's still time for baseball to get out of its own way. It's just going to take a unprecedented amount of I don't know what's the right word here. Um, realization from the owners, I guess, might be the best way to do it. Or, or maybe it's going to take the owners being able to kind of sit down and reassess the situation and, and look beyond the scope of just, well, I want every penny possible. And I don't want to, it's not that I want every penny. I don't want to give up any pennies that I don't have to. They're going to have to be, you're really going to have to meet in the middle. Now, granted, for everything I just said about Rob Manfred, Tony Clark is just as bad for the MLBPA. That's one of the things that worries me. I, I, there, there's time to fix this. They just, I'm just not really filled with confidence about it. I mean, I'm going to pretend like everything's going to be fine and dandy until I'm told otherwise, in which case I'm going to go kicking and screaming into the night. But man, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a, a little grip in the pit of my stomach about it. Me too. And you know, th- something that really makes me, me kind of nervous as well is that everybody it's, it's fait accompli that the, uh, that the DH is coming to the national league in 2022. No, it's not. Do not, and we're talking about let's. What if you just sign Marcelo Zuna for 2021, knowing he's going to have to play left field, knowing that he's going to be the DH in 2022? We do not know anything. We cannot stake the future of this team, who is very close to a World Series title. We cannot stake the future on this team on something that may or may not happen based on how Tony Clark and Rob Manfred are feeling. So, very, very nervous because I mean, love Marcelo Zuna's bat. Not a big fan of most other things about his game. That's how good his bat is. But before we go any farther, I am contractually obligated to remind everybody we are brought to you by the fine folks at Bet Online. <clears throat> I had written a very, very eloquent, very thorough Bet Online ad, but the technical difficulties that Dylan alluded to earlier completely erased it. So I'm just telling you, go to Bet Online, get some TPS fuel joy for your holiday season. Uh, you can it's basically like going to Vegas, except you don't have to wear a mask and you can do it in your underwear, which I guess you could technically do that in Vegas too. TPS is brought to you by Armored Pajamas. I can't promise you that your wife's not gonna try and kill you in your sleep, but with the new chainmail jammies that are only available at Boys to Men's Warehouse and the Britches and Hose Pants Emporium, she's really gonna have to put her back into it. We are also proudly presented by Manscaped. Mrs. Claus will be the first one to tell you that anybody that does not manage their crotch afro is a surefire candidate for the naughty list. So you should go to manscaped.com, use our promo code armchair for 20% off your order and free shipping 20% off and free shipping Dylan short did you hear that that just seems absolutely insane it almost it's, seems like it's a perfect deal for Christmas mm-hmm. seems too good to be true so you can have a very smooth runway before and after Santa Claus visits you if you go to manscape.com tell him TPS sent you that's the best I could do on such short notice so 
It's been a week since the non-tender deadline, and there's still a couple great candidates out there. We talked about uh, Duvall, Rosario, and Schwarber. Now that Duvall is not on the fold for the Braves, which he could come back, but maybe so, maybe not. Part of the reason why I would have had interest in Eddie Rosario and Jock Peterson was because that functions well as a platoon. But without Duvall in the fold, then that kind of kills any interest that I had in either of those guys, because I don't think either of them are good enough everyday players. But there are a couple of guys that I have a little bit of interest in, and I think that we we overlap on the two that I have. So would you like to go first sure. on uh, the non-tenders you're interested in? Sure. Now, I, I've had a few more guys that I'm more interested in than you were. Now, granted, this interest is not me saying, like, oh, yeah, you have to sign them, but there's a few guys that piqued my interest. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I'd kind of like to see what they could do. Uh before we go too too far, uh, I do think, barring the Braves acquiring a full-time fielder, like a non-platoon guy, a guy like Mark Canna, uh, I do think Adam Duvall would be back. Uh, and I do think, again, that, that would pair best with a Jock Peterson, a Kyle Schwarber, or an Eddie Rosario. So if we see Adam Duvall come back, I feel pretty confident in saying one of those other three guys will also be in Atlanta. Particularly if there is no DH and you have to try to make up some offense somewhere. Uh, because Lord knows you don't want to have to roll out, you know, you, you really don't want to have to use like an Ender and Ciarte for any length of time. You don't want to have to rely on uh, unproven guys like, uh, I'm going to get people mad at me for this, but I, I, I you're not going to roll with Drew Waters on opening day. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. Um, so you're going to have to figure out what to do in the meantime. The Braves aren't going to take a step back. There are a few guys that I'd like to see. Um, granted, they're all kind of bench pieces. There's a few... The two guys that you and I overlap on that I think could undoubtedly help this team would be, number one, Archie Bradley. Kind of shocked that the Reds let him go. Uh, he didn't pitch a lot for the Reds. He only had six appearances with them, so there must have been some injury issues there. But he's a guy that he's always had good stuff. He's had a couple seasons in Arizona where he's really good, but he's never been able to be that kind of like, he's never been able to go from good to like elite. Like He's never been able to handle that back-end role. He's always been kind of projected to take over. He's just never been able to really handle that with any consistency. He's actually lost the closer job in Arizona, I believe it was twice. Um, just for whatever reason, he's a guy that I guess he just works better in middle relief roles, and that's not unheard of. Luke Jackson has said before that he prefers to be middle relief. He doesn't like closing as much, that the pressure is not necessarily his friend in that situation. Could be the same for Archie Bradley, but there's no doubt that he's an outstanding pitcher, and if you're not going to bring back Melanson and Shane Green, Archie Bradley would be a guy that you could instantly replace one or both of those guys with. The other one is Kurt Casale, also from the Reds, who didn't decide to pick up uh, Kirk Casale. Now he's a defense first catcher. He's, you know, eh, there might be a little bit of pop if he runs into it, but essentially he's defense first and that's fine. He's very similar to Tyler Flowers. Very, very good with pitchers. Does a good job framing. Uh, if you're going to, if you're not going to pay Tyler Flowers and I, I think he's going to get paid a little bit more money to go be a true one B to somebody else's one A or maybe even a one A to somebody else's one B. A team like the Angels could, could look really heavily into a Tyler Flowers, somebody that works really well with pitching staffs. If the Angels don't get James McCann, I'd expect them to pivot to a guy like Tyler Flowers because they got to do something with their pitching staff. If that's the case, Kirk Casale gives you somebody who's got more experience than Alex Jackson. Uh, Alex has more power, sure, but Alex hasn't hit at any real major league level anyway, and, and Casale's a guy that can handle the pitching staff and can give Travis Darno days off. Uh, I, I think those are the two guys we overlap on, but there's a few other guys. Um, one of my main pet project guys. One of the guys that I've been really into over the last few years is Hansel Robles. Now, 2020 for Hansel Robles, 
that was about as bad as I've seen from a reliever. And an ERA over 10 was just giving up bomb after bomb after bomb. But in 2018 and 2019, he was absolutely lights out, high strikeout, really, really great reliever. Kind of overshadowed because he was in the Angels playing for the wrong L.A. team. Um, but an absolutely dominant reliever uh, would be a guy that I would love to bring in on the cheap. I still think that he's got plenty to go with. I would, I would shake off 2020 as an aberration more than I would say, oh, well, that's just where he's at now. Uh, I think Hansel Robles would be a phenomenal ad. I think he'd be very cheap. I was wanting Hansel Robles last year anyway. Uh, the other name that a lot of people, uh, if you're if you're on Braves Twitter, a lot of na- uh, the other name that a lot of people will be talking about is David Dahl, who got uh, non-tendered from the Rockies. Now, Dahl is an interesting case. He was an all-star uh, in 2019. But he's a guy that, here's my biggest worry with Dahl. It's the injury history. Dahl has a lot of talent. He's never been able to put it all together because he's never been able to play more than 100 games. And as a matter of fact, he's only played half of the season. He's only made it to game 82 once, and it was that 100-game season. Maybe getting him out of the altitude of Colorado would help, and, and there have been some freak injuries like the concussion. Um, I mean, there's there's just... The injury history on him is very, very long, and, and I, I would not sign him counting on him to actually make it a full season. I think if you were to sign him, you'd sign him as a fourth outfielder if he was able to stay healthy and give you more than that cool. like That's an interesting name. I'd love to have somebody like that on the team. I would not, under any circumstances, pay him starter money or under any circumstances count on him to be a starter for my team, but you know, he's a little bit like uh, uh, A.J. Pollock. He's just always hurt. He's got talent. He's just... You know, if you can't stay on the field, then your talent's no good. Aside from him, I got a few others. Um, Greg Garcia. If Now, I've already said I'd like Freddie Galvis to be my kind of backup shortstop second baseman. If you lose out on Freddie Galvis, if he gets a starting job somewhere, Greg Garcia is a very similar guy. You know, he's not a phenomenal defender, but he can play defense at short, and he can play at second. He's got an okay bat. It's not great, but it's enough to where I'd feel better playing him than Echeverria. Uh, you're not going to play Camargo short anymore. So he's another guy to be fairly cheap. Um, he could do some things for you there. The other name, and I, I'm not super huge on this, but like, let's say the Braves go out there and they get, I don't know, let's say they get Mark Canna, or let's shoot for the moon and say they get George Springer, and they're looking, and you're just looking for a fourth outfielder defensive type who can, you know, play defense at all the spots. Tyler Naquin would make a lot of sense. Uh, he's not a great defender by any means, but he can play all three spots. He's got one of the best arms in baseball. He's fast enough. Um, certainly you're not going to bat him high in the order, but he's a guy that that's done it for a little bit. And he's a guy that wouldn't be very expensive. And I'd prefer him over in Duranciarte if we're, if we're just saying that. So Naquin's another guy. Again, none of these guys are anybody aside from like Robles or Bradley. None of these guys are guys that I'm like, Ooh, bring them in now. Um, but there's certainly some names out there. Yeah. And, and, uh, Bradley, one of the good things about Bradley, I mean, last year his Velo was down a little bit, but he, he also set uh, career bests in walk rate. Uh, he had a, a 259 FIP. His his FIP hasn't been over 3.7 in four years, five years. You know, he he's a guy that's been pretty solid. It just, you got to be careful about where you use him. And the Braves have a couple openings in the bullpen right now. Uh, Melanson Green, uh, Darren O'Day, still out there. They did bring back Luke Jackson, but then there's still, uh, and Josh Hamlet, but there's still room in there. It, one, one thing about pursuing any of these non-tender guys is that one, the Braves are really close, so they can afford to 
God, I can't believe I'm about to bring up shopping in any aisle. But they, they should be in a position where where they know that they, they have to actually do that and where it's, where it's not lip service. Like, they should be in on George Springer. He, they're probably not going to give the amount of money that it's going to take to get him because he's probably going to get, I don't know, $125, $150 million from the Mets or somebody. But, you know, the Braves could make a creative and or aggressive offer there. They're a really close team. And, yeah, they still need to figure out what they're going to do for the righty bat, whether it's Ozuna or somebody else. But they don't really have a lot of glaring holes. They're bringing back Acuna and Albies and Freddie. You know, it's a Braves podcast. You know, all the names of the guys they're going to bring back. Even with some of the work that they've done in, in the rotation uh, early in the offseason, they don't have to shop from the bargain bin or the wasn't good enough to get tender to contract bin or was too expensive to get tender to contract bin. You know, they can be really deliberate about who they want. So um, Bradley, I think, would be the biggest quote-unquote difference maker about all those. With David Dahl, it's a shame. And you're, I like your A.J. Pollock comp on him because it's never just the same thing. It's always some different rotating lingering injury. And the concussion you were talking about, if it's the same collision I'm thinking of, he ruptured his spleen yes. in... Yeah, like, what is that? That's like the Mitch Hanniger injury where it's like, what are you talking about? How does that even, how does that come to pass, you know? So the Braves have had decent luck with bringing in uh, guys with injury histories and having them fight through it, looking at you, Josh Donaldson, not looking at you, Cole Hamels. But, you know, it's somebody that they could take a chance on. But once again, you you cannot 100% depend on that because if you're looking for track record, well, Dahl doesn't really have much of one. Total, over five seasons or so, he's played about two full seasons worth of baseball. But those two seasons were really good. It's just the games, man. If you can't count on somebody to to make it more than 100 games or even to make it half a season, it makes it very tricky. Like If you get him for a million, maybe a million and a half, then by all means try it. But make sure you've got a guy that you know can play uh, that's going to stay healthy and, and that could at least play against both sides for when he gets hurt because there's a chance that he's going to get hurt. Um, hopefully now that we've got at least some semblance of what teams should be looking for, we'll start to see some position players move a little bit. Maybe there's some trades out there that could happen that just we aren't even thinking about. Maybe the Braves go after a Justin Turner and just decide to put Austin Riley in left field. I, I don't know. They could still do a number of these things. Um, there's there's still a number of hey maybe they get really crazy and they test Middleton and and see hey you really want to play poor and uh, you want to eat some of Harper's money we'll we'll bring in Bryce Harper now that's probably not going to happen um, that's like a zero 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 one percent chance that that happens but you know it, it it's still really early there's a lot of crazy things that could happen I mean maybe we see Nolan Arenado moved maybe the Rockies decide to sell it all who knows it, it's still really early in the off season now that the virtual winter meetings is underway. We should start to get a little bit of clarification. We should start to see some people start to make some moves, and then maybe we can see some moves made after initial moves are done. So I'm not going to get too crazy right now. Hopefully when we reconvene in a week or two, we'll have something new to talk about. But for now, that's kind of the state of the union right now for the Atlanta Braves. Things are still looking pretty good. I'd like to see position players added, left field or third base. I think I know you'd like to see the same. Um, but the Braves are still in a pretty good position. They should still be the favorites in the NL East as it stands now on today. December the 10th, everything's still, you know, looking out pretty okay. Braves Braves haven't lost any ground right now. They haven't gained any ground, but they haven't lost any ground either. So uh, we'll be back in the next couple of weeks here. Uh, hopefully we'll have some good news for you. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. 
bon voyage, adieu, I don't know, whatever else you guys want to say. Happy John Lennon Day, everybody. And so we remember one of the all-time great artists. I uh, hope you guys enjoy the new intro for, or the new outro for this week. Everybody else, we'll, be, we'll see you again next time right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Wait, oh yes, wait a minute,